Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Welcome, Bethany, to the podcast. Hello, hello. I am so excited to have you here. It's fun to meet you in real life because we have met on TikTok technically. And I feel like I absolutely know you just through TikTok, which is kind of the beautiful thing about having videos versus, you know, just posting things on social media or quotes or all those things. I get to kind Mm -hmm. of really know people. Occasionally I have somebody locally that's like, Hey, I know you from TikTok. And I'm like, Oh, cool. <laughs> that's so interesting. You know? <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's really fun to kind of connect with, with people there. I think that's the value of it is that, that human connection for sure. So yeah, I couldn't agree yeah. more. I feel like I know you too, from just seeing your content. And I feel like we really match up on a lot of what we believe about drinking and all that stuff in life. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so let's just start with sharing your story around alcohol. How did you, how did you decide to challenge that relationship with alcohol? Um, from what I've understood from you, and this is my story too, there was no rock bottom for me. I was never rock bottom. Uh, Mm -hmm. I knew for a long time that it was probably not the healthiest behavior, but it was kind of like, whatever, who cares? I eat cookies too. So, you know, like, we'll just keep, we'll just keep opening the bottle of wine every night. And then 2020 really shifted things for me because I was drinking so regularly that it was scary to me. And it was scary that I felt like I was craving it every single day. And then it was earlier and earlier. And I was like, this is really scary to me. I think this is where I need to stop. Like I needed to pause for a bit here. Yeah. Um, so what was, what was your story with alcohol and why did you decide to, to really evaluate the relationship with it? So I think that the time that I started to really notice my drinking was after I had kids. Um, I had my first in 2017 and I would have, I guess I drank like before that, you know, my husband and I would drink, um, pretty frequently at times. And I started to notice that I was really looking forward to that drink on a daily basis. And, um, I also noticed that it was kind of keeping me in this sort of shell that it was almost the more I drank, the more I kind of went into the cave, the less I started doing things to get myself out. It was like this self-fulfilling prophecy almost. And the less I did, the less I did and the less I wanted to do. And so I kind of hold myself into my house with my kids. I was a stay-at-home mom and I was just in this, I was probably self-medicating postpartum depression, anxiety, all of that. And it just sucked me in. And It got probably the worst when we made a move for my husband's job and it was, um, yeah, we moved back to my hometown and that was really hard for me and I didn't really want to be there, but it was this job opportunity that we couldn't give up because it was something he really wanted. And so I started drinking more, um, probably five to seven drinks every night at least, and maybe more on the weekends. Until I was like, you know what? I feel like absolute crap all the time. I feel this guilt. I wake up at three o'clock in the morning sweating and telling myself I'm not going to do it again. And the next night, it's like I would just deal with all that guilt, all that shame enough to the point where I could just shut my brain up then every evening. And I would just continue the cycle until I'm like, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I would take little breaks here and there. And the breaks got longer. And the more that I would take breaks, the longer I would see, whoa, it's like almost like this fog was starting to lift. Like I didn't realize what alcohol was doing to my body Um, on the physiological level either. My anxiety was starting to go down and all these things started to coming into place where the longer I went, the longer I wanted to go. And then I would be like, oh, maybe I'm fine. Drink for a weekend, then start to slip back into the same pattern over and over. Um, and it really, I just got so much awareness around it and I really was able to see what it was doing in my life. And that's why I decided to, I would just give it up for periods of time and it got longer and longer. That all kind of started in probably 2020 for me as well. Just that slow, um, awareness building and 
bringing it out of my life more and seeing what a crazy change, you know, I have when I'm not drinking in, in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't believe it until I did it, you know? So it was like, it's one of those things that I really feel like I needed to prove it to myself because I could read all I wanted. I could hear Mm -hmm. all the stories about how Mm -hmm. it makes your anxiety worse. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's helping my anxiety. You don't understand. (laughs) You're not getting it. (laughs) Until the anxiety got really unmanageable, honestly. I mean, I was having like some significant anxiety over things that were just totally like unrealistic thoughts. Like they were just ridiculous, you know, and like waking up at 3am because I thought my daughter died in her sleep, like for Ah. no reason, you know, like she, she was three years old, you know I mean? It was like, it wasn't like there was a real good reason for that, but I thought, oh my gosh, she swallowed too much water in the bath and she's going to, she's going to dry drown. Like I'd read an article about dry drowning and it was like, I never had that now. I like, I still have anxiety. Absolutely. I will likely always have some anxiety, right? It's totally manageable. Like I can, I can get out of it really easily where I'm like, okay, like I can manage those thoughts and those, right. those feelings. coachable now for sure. It was not coachable then for sure. No. It was totally out of control. Agreed. So were there any books or like, what was the, you know, were there, was there one specific thing that sort of really you know, was it aha or was it sort of just those turtle steps along the way where it was like, I just kept building, you kept saying building awareness, which I love that term. Was it sort of a slow progress or do you feel like there was a big aha moment? Well, when we bought our, um, home in Park Falls, we were living with my parents for a while. So that, that was anxiety (laughs) inducing in its own. But once we got our own house, um, I really decided to kind of take, I was like, now's my chance. You know, this is a fresh start and I'm going to, I think, I don't even know how long I, I didn't drink the first time, maybe two months or something. But honestly, in that period of time, it just really, it became apparent so quickly. The first, I would say on the times that I've gone back to drinking, I would say like there's a first seven day period that I really notice like physiologically what the effects of alcohol are and it's increased anxiety, especially the day after I drink insane amounts of anxiety compared to what I would have. I, things just became so much more manageable, but anyway, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> I was good. Oh, I was, just, was, there, was there one big aha or was there a book or books oh, that you read or yeah, it was multiple books. I read, um, one of my favorite books that really gave me so many like brain explosions was Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Yeah. It really, it's like, I think for so long I had abandoned myself that like inner knowing that intuition and, and reading about getting back to that part of yourself was just, my jaw was like on the floor for so many things that I could relate to in that book. And that's kind of how I felt about drinking. That's, it was like me going, okay, there is this gut feeling that I have. I felt like alcohol was holding me back from everything that I wanted in reality, everything that I wanted to be doing in little ways and in big ways. Like it was keeping me from treating my body well in other ways. Cause I felt like I'm treating my body like crap. Why would I eat healthy? Why would I exercise? Why would I do the good things when I am doing bad things, right? When I'm harming my body, why? It was like that thought was in my head. And so when I was, when I removed it, I just started noting this like upward spiral, these little things that I would start to gain this positive belief in myself that would help me then do, I was like, well, I'm feeling really good today. I wake up, you know, refreshed and then I feel like working out or then I feel like listening to this book on, you know, positive development. And it was just this upward kind of movement in all of them. I read, um, the unexpected joy of being sober was one that I really liked. I loved, um, quit like a woman by Holly Whitaker. Uh, what's the one, what's my, one of my favorite. Oh, we are the luckiest was another good one. Uh, all of those, I kind of absorbed my whole world. I, I got kind of that was my new thing. I was like so excited about learning and changing my, the way that I thought about alcohol. Um, and Annie Grace's, um, book. Yeah. Uh, this naked mind, I think. Yep. 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 All of those learning to just 
totally change the way that you think about alcohol because you act so differently. When I learned that alcohol could increase your anxiety and I knew how crippling my anxiety was, it was like I needed to try it. I needed to see if it was true because if that was true and I could cure myself from that feeling or at least make it manageable, there was nothing more that I wanted than that. And yeah. that, it gave me that for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think we're told the opposite, you know, if we're having anxiety or we're having a hard time or we had a bad day, the answer is to go home and open up the bottle of wine, you know, like, of course that's going to fix everything. And I believed that bullshit for a really long time And until I I started, yeah, kind of educating myself on it. And then I was like, okay, well maybe there's something here and I need to prove it to myself. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do this little experiment for me. And then I'll decide, you know, like, well, we'll see what the results are. We'll test some variables. We'll see what happens here. And then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. So uh, untamed was a huge one for me. I think you cannot possibly listen to your inner knowing. I think your inner knowing is so dulled Mm -hmm. if existent at all when you're drinking regularly. Totally. So I was so back and forth. I was indecisive. What am I going to do? I know the answer to my problems when I'm not drinking. Like I have a really strong inner knowing when I don't shush her and then I listen to what she has to say. Like, no, no, you don't know what you're saying. That's no, no, no. That's not practical. You can't do that. No, it like, yes. Like go do whatever you want to do. Even if it's the weirdest thing you've ever heard, like go, go do it. So that was a huge one for me too, is like being able to hear my inner knowing again. Mm -hmm. And it's non-existent for me personally, when I'm drinking alcohol on a regular basis. Yeah, exactly. It's like, so if I'm drinking every single day, it's, you never get to that. And there's like brief, those brief moments that you might see it and then you just drown it back down Yep, and you don't do anything about it, but the satisfaction you get once you remove alcohol on a, a constant basis the satisfaction you get for doing those tiny little things that like is coming from that inner knowing is so much greater of a reward than you could have ever gotten with drinking. Yeah. Because it's not temporary. It's something you can keep creating for yourself. And you realize that. And it's like you feel almost unstoppable after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. It's like the best thing ever. I know I'm when I'm trying to sell, I'm like, listen, I know you can't see it because you're not on this side of it, but I've been on that side and just come along, use some curiosity, just try it out. Just give it a shot because I feel like it's inevitable if you really just give it a shot and, and explore that. It's like, come on, I've got this amazing thing. Please let me help you have it. (laughs) Yes, I know. And it's one of those things where like, I don't want to be that person that that's all she talks about. And I don't really, I mean, when I'm out with people, I don't talk about it often unless somebody asks me about it. But yeah, it is hard to kind of watch people suffer, which is why I do what I do. It's why I jumped into coaching. You know, I was in healthcare for a long time and I thought we were helping all these people, but I still saw so much suffering. I saw so much suffering with the people that worked for me. And the people I worked with. And I was like, there is suffering all around this table. And that's why we're not getting anywhere. That's why we're not solving these really difficult problems because there is just so much suffering and not just with alcohol, like so many things, so many of our thoughts are influencing what we are doing. Right. And like, I would watch people drive into work and they would look like shells of human beings. Like I would look over and be like, once I was on the other side of it, to your point of like being on the other side of it, because I was that person too. I would drive into work when I was in burnout, wishing that I got into a car accident when I got there. So I would get, I would park my car and think, I wish I would just gotten into a car accident. So that way I wouldn't have to keep taking care of everybody else. And somebody would have to take care of me. Like that, those were the thoughts that were going through my mind. That is a really painful thought. That is not what I thought my life was going to look like. Right. And, and so when I, you're in it, you can't see it. You don't, you don't see it. So once I yeah. got out of that, all I saw was people like that. I mean, I would like look mm-hmm. over just next to me. Like if you ever are driving, like during the commute time and you look next to you, yes. it is really fascinating to just see, like, I don't know, people just have no energy. They're shells of human beings. And it yeah. was like, I couldn't watch it anymore, which is why I got certified as a coach. And I was like, I'm going to do this thing full time because there is, there are no shortage of clients out there that need this work. You know, it gets every single just, human needs a coach. Oh, for we sure. all have brains. We all have thoughts <laughs> we can't see. If yeah. I could hire a coach on like a daily basis, 
I, I might do that. percent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still have a coach. I'm a certified yeah. coach and I think like any coach that doesn't get their own coaching or do some sort of work on themselves, I would run from Yeah, right. like all day long. You know, I mean, I just, I feel like it is like, we, we're humans too. Like we have all these same problems. We've just yeah. learned to coach ourselves out of them. Right. Totally. Yeah. And I still get stuck on things where like my coach will say something and I'm like, Oh my God, why didn't like, are we still here? Why didn't we see that? You know, like, it's just, it's so crazy to me, but I love that stuff. You know, like I'll never stop working on myself. I think that's the beautiful thing about it. So I love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your, you know, like, what is your model when you coach a client through over drinking, you know, what are the, some of the, the big things that you hear some of the big fears or concerns of why people want to keep drinking or they're afraid of, of quitting drinking or what were some of your fears? Yeah. I mean, obviously there's so many, but I mean, there is obviously, I'm not going to have any fun. It's not going to be fun anymore. It's, or I'm going to be really uncomfortable when like in social situations, like I can't be outgoing without alcohol. I can't do that. I can't talk to people. And I just, I think people are so alcohol does, does not, it takes away your inhibition. So it does have a numbing effect, right? There is that part of it. You can't deny that it does something to you physiologically that does that, but there's the pendulum and, and people don't think of the after when they're in that moment, they're not thinking, Oh, this is going to be, I'm going to feel really terrible later. They're just, their brains, your brain's not working that way. You really have to be intentional about learning and and seeing that ahead of time to go, okay, my brain is trying to tell me what to do here. It's trying to get me to drink because of this reason. But like people say, play the tape forward. How am I going to feel at 3 a.m. when I wake up? And is that going to be worth it? And you don't see that, you know? And like you said before too, people are, you don't see until you remove it you can't really even fully understand what it is, how it's even affecting you. You can't see it, yep. you know, in that point. So people think that it's doing all these things and they don't even know, for example, it's increasing their anxiety. Yeah. They believe that it's calming down their anxiety. They believe it's what what they're using to relax at the end of the day. And yep. it's it does it temporarily, but <laughs> then think of the time that you spend with that rebound anxiety. I think it's about five hours after you stop drinking, your body produces noradrenaline. So your that's why you have that like wake up in the middle of the night. Your body is Heart's detoxing. Yeah, yeah your, your body's <laughs> always trying to create homeostasis. So when you give it a depressant like that, it's going to combat. Yeah. You can't avoid it. And it's you get both. You get one, but you also get the other. And the other was making you want to go back to drinking. It's yeah. the rebound that creates the desire, you know? And yeah. It's such so. a, it really is truly a cycle. So yeah. 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 And even, you know, like I just uh, posted an episode around uh, delayed gratification where I think I called it instant gratification, but delaying yeah. the gratification. I talked to the clients about that all the time. Like, so let's delay the gratification. We want it now. We live in a society where we want everything now. We don't want to wait for anything. We don't want to feel like this anymore. So if we just drink, it'll go away. But what if we did something else? What if we went out for a walk? What if we listened to a podcast? What if we, my big one was organizing drawers, man. Like, I mean, my (laughs) house was never more organized than it was two years ago, because that would be like, I would pop in my AirPods, listen to something kind of developmental or, you know, like I, that's mostly what I listen to or, you know, podcast or audiobook, And I would organize things. And like, I love that. Like, that's actually really soothing to me. Yeah. And so that was sort of my hobby for a while. So I found these new, more positive hobbies to sort of distract myself, but to not fully distract myself. Like I didn't yeah. want to ignore what was going on because I'd done that for with so many things in the past. Right. And that, that doesn't stick. Like that's not a long-term solution mm-hmm. to, to, to this problem for sure. A really big problem. Like, yeah, it's a bandaid and band-aids wear off for sure. Yeah. Well, they say easy now, hard later or hard yeah. now, easy later. And yeah. it was always picking the easy now, but consistently living in the hard. That's how my life felt. Yeah. Was- uh, yeah. But, well, and yeah. one of my big things was, oh my gosh, now I'm going to have to feel all these hard feelings. Yeah. But what I, what was unexpected for me is that I got to experience all the positive emotions so much deeper 
Like I experienced, I would look at my kids and have this whole different level of love. Yes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was dulled. I never want to do that again. I never want to dull the amount of love and elation that I can experience in my life, you know, and that's what was happening. So that was, that was totally unexpected. I really, I didn't see that one coming, you know? So it was like one of those things where it's like, again, like you said, you have to remove the thing in order to see all these things. Right. And now, and you can't unsee them. Like I cannot know anything that I now know. I just got back from a week at an all-inclusive in Mexico and we went, was it two years ago? It was right after things opened up with the pandemic. And I was still like kind of on this journey, but I was like, okay, like, I don't know. Like I took some breaks from alcohol. I'm going to try to drink a little bit more, um, and see how it goes, you know, all those things. And this, this trip, I had a couple of drinks, but the, the drinks are shit. So like, I, like you, you better really wow me. Like, or I'm not, I don't want (laughs) to drink, you know? And so I'm like, I'll drink half of it and say, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to drink you know, anymore. So, right. you know, it was really interesting though, to listen to people in the pool, because this is like all inclusive. You can drink as much as you want. There's a swim up bar. Right. And like yeah. three years ago, me would have been all over the bank. I would have been drinking all day long. Yeah. And I was just listening and watching, I mean, grown adults, decades older than me talking yeah. about how hungover they are every single day. And then about 10 AM, they were up at the summit bar and they're like, hair of the dog, ha ha, kind of laughing about oh it. You know? And I was like, that would have been me too. So I'm not judging it. It yeah, was right. more just so fascinating to fast forward three years forward of how different that experience was for me. I wouldn't have even noticed yeah. that when I was drinking, I would have been with them. I would have been like, okay, I'm fitting in with the crowd. This is great. Right. We're on and vacation. So, it's what we do. Yeah. That's what you do. And so anyway, I have so many great memories. I remember my entire trip and it was lovely, you know, like it was a yeah. great experience. I've done a lot of sober vacations and it is awesome. Like it is, yeah. it is really a great experience. So it was just interesting to me as I was reflecting how I had to remove it to see that. Like I had to, like, I couldn't be drinking and see that I couldn't be drinking and see all the people that are drinking at the zoo at noon on a Wednesday. And I'm like, what the hell's happening? Like, I would have never noticed that if I wouldn't have stopped drinking. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, it's so, so fascinating to me. I love that. I haven't gone on any like good sober vacations, but that is on my list of like things to do next. Cause I, I've never really done that. Yeah. It's like, what even is that like? You yeah, wake up yeah. feeling great every morning. It's I probably amazing. will go to bed a lot earlier. I'm fine For that sure. when I'm, when I'm not drinking, I value my sleep a lot more. I just like For my sure. sleep. I just want to get, I want to be well-rested. Yep. For sure. Same. I went on a bachelorette party. So for someone first, first time getting married, she's in her forties and there were, I don't know, 10, 12 of us that went, I didn't really know a lot of the other women. I knew them a little bit, but not a lot. I knew her. And so I went on that entire bachelorette party completely sober. Yeah. Uh, didn't have a single drink and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> and there was actually another woman there who was just kind of going through some major life changes. And she was like, Oh, you're, you're not drinking. And I said, no. And she's like, well, I didn't really want to drink, but I just felt like I was going to, cause everybody else was, so no, I'm not going to either, you know? So she that. didn't drink either. So, you know, it's so interesting, especially as we get older too. I think we start to recognize how much it affects us, you know, and yeah. our health and our sleep yes. and all those things. But yeah, I went to bed at like 9am, 10am sometimes or 10pm. Sorry. I was going to say 9am. <laughs> no, no, no. No, oh God, no. <laughs> I've always been a sleeper, but yeah, not drinking. I'm I'm in bed early. You know, they stay yeah. up. Some of them stay up till 1 a.m., you know, and I was yes. like already five hours into my sleep. It was great. <laughs> I think that's so interesting though, because I have I said, you know, and and some of my um TikToks and stuff, I've said, you know, I've I've given people permission in the videos. Like if you are questioning your drinking, here's full permission to pursue that, to go after that. You don't have to reach some sort of level. And I would get comments like if it was that easy and if you just needed permission and, um, you know, I think it's more from like the alcohol, um, use disorder, alcoholic type of perspective. Cause what I needed as a gray area drinker was permission. What that girl on your vacation needed was permission. It's like, you don't realize it's an option, but creating the awareness that this is an option for you. And right. there can be good things that you can create from this. You don't have to wait until it gets to something so absolutely terrible because it's your daily life. 
You know, it's your every single day life. If you're drinking every day, it's just that happens over a span of years. That's what I feel like. I look back and I'm like, think I think of all the missed opportunities because of drinking and how that really kept me in that anxiety spiral, how that kept me like in the cave, as I would say, kept me from wanting to feel any form of discomfort. But once I got that out of my system and really started like leaning into discomfort, it's like, all right, we're doing this. And it comes with feeling uncomfortable because change is uncomfortable. But once you start to like work the muscle of feeling discomfort, it gets so much easier and it does not, it's way more scary in your head than it actually is in reality. For sure. I think one of the biggest lies we have been sold is that we're supposed to be comfortable all the time. Oh, absolutely. I believed that for so long that I was supposed to be comfortable all the time. And if I wasn't, something was really wrong. I needed to like, I needed to get out of there. Right. And when I can sit in that discomfort now, it's like, oh, this is actually just the human experience. I'm going to be uncomfortable for the rest of my life. It's just the human experience. And when I learned to sit with that, I would like, I was trying to, you know, rewire it or reframe it to something positive all the time. And I was like, no, actually this is shit right now. And I need to sit in the shit for a little bit (laughs) and just be okay with it. I don't need to get out of it. I just need to like address it. It's not yeah, Like, you know, and like, I can just sit there for a day. If I'm sad for a day, I'm sad for a day. So what? Like big deal. But, you know, I think of even like, I'm cautious with what I say to my kids. Like if they are sad or they are crying and I run up and say, what's wrong? Oh my gosh, what's wrong? Yeah. That immediately triggers to them that something is wrong with feeling sad. Something is wrong Um, with crying. Something is wrong with not feeling happy all the time. Yeah. And what a load of crap. Yeah. Yeah. Like what a load of crap. And so I think like that was a huge aha for me, not just with drinking, but just in general, like life, you know, to say, okay, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's fine. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I do a lot of teaching around the Enneagram and I'm at okay. Enneagram nine. Okay. And so we run from conflict like all day long and we like all we're searching for is peace and harmony. Okay. So, and that's sort of our narrative. Like that's our story that we, we move through the world with. Yeah. And I had, I had to check with that, that story. Like I had to say, okay, like this isn't even realistic, Rachel. Like you can't okay. live a human life with no discomfort. Right. It's, it's impossible. I don't care if right. you live in a Europe by yourself, you will be uncomfortable because it is part of the human experience. Yeah. So exactly. I've had to really like, that was a big aha for me to understand that that was sort of the way I was moving through the world. And no wonder I was using food and alcohol and all the things, sometimes positive things. Sometimes it was exercise. Sometimes it mm-hmm. was, you know, other things that were more positive, but either way, all buffering, yes, right. <laughs> all, all numbing, you know, trying to escape the thing that I didn't want to feel anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true for everybody, you know, like the motivational triad, it's seek pleasure, avoid pain and use the least amount of energy possible. And so yes. it's how you're wired, unless you're trying to actually do something about it. It's how you're naturally it's, you're going to be inclined to do that. Even it's like that little voice in your head when you're like, I should work out. If you give yourself like a second to think about it, your lower brain's going to go, but do you really want to, you know, it's like, you've got your prefrontal cortex. That's like, yep. I'm going to do the thing. Cause I want to plan ahead. And I, I got this part of my brain and then your lower brain's like, but it's going to be uncomfortable and it's cold outside. And yeah, remember you know, the last time you did it, it was really, Oh, we hated it. You yeah, know, we hated it. <laughs> It's like, we don't think about how we felt afterwards where we felt like, oh, well, this is really empowering. I actually feel great. I'm so glad I got out there and exercised, you know, it's like we go to the negative. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that prefrontal cortex is so interesting to me to think about like, how do we train ourselves to flip from that emotional brain, which is much Mm -hmm. more like hasn't evolved really at all. We talked about that before we hit record. Uh, to that prefrontal cortex. We think we're so smart. If we're so smart, then why the heck can't we solve these? What on the surface looks like a simple problem? Well, it's that, you know, prehistoric brain that is just not evolved. It's getting in our way all the time. It's the toddler with scissors. For sure. I'm like, we're all just a bunch of unevolved toddlers running around and in adult bodies, you know, like I do a lot of leadership development, team coaching, and I watch grown adults throw fits all the time. Yes. And I, I am one of them. So like I can, right. I am a grown adult that can throw an absolute toddler fit. You know, right. we're not exempt. Um, 
for sure. Uh, but I can, I can call myself on that. And I can also tell people, you know what, that was not okay behavior. Like I'll go to my kids and say, that was not okay behavior. I I apologize for the way I behaved. I'm still learning. Yes. Um, and so like there, like there, there's, we can absolutely do that. We have to have that awareness to be able to, you know, to say that, but yeah, we are toddlers absolutely running around in adult bodies, all throwing giant hissy fits and then telling our kids not to do it. Like right, dare exactly. you throw a fit? Stop it! And that's like you, you just threw a fit twenty seven, minutes ago. Yeah, it's like yeah. with even less self control than we have <laughs> as developed brains. We're like, you don't do that thing that I just did. That's right. It's so <laughs> yeah. fascinating to me. So yeah, we oh. all these need to be reparented. It feels like so. I I have actually yeah. talked a lot with my clients about like reparenting themselves. You know. Yeah. And I think there is a lot there. There's a lot of healing that has to come. We still have that little inner child that we are carrying around with us that yeah, is not definitely. healed. And that's yeah. a huge part, was a huge part of my journey was that that healing of that inner child. And I'm still healing her. She's yep. still wounded, but I'm willing to bring her with me. Like I'm willing yeah. to take her along the with me on the ride. Before She's I was partying. kind of like, no, no, I'm not a kid anymore. She's gone. Right. She's never been gone. She never will be. No, you can't. It's especially like the the beliefs that you gained about the world when you were that young is still with you, you know, that it's like, oh yeah, that hit that little wound that I had that, you know, I'm not seen or I'm not enough or whatever it is were those moments that you, that you learned and you developed your worldview based on, you know, those are pretty hard to uproot and just completely eliminate. Yeah. You have to kind of keep doing the work, which is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You create those patterns, like patterns of behavior are hard to break, but they're breakable, you know? So we know from brain science that we can actually change our brains. So we can actually, there's neuroplasticity. It's a thing. You don't keep doing the same crappy thing with the same crappy result. Uh, But it takes a lot of effort. It takes daily effort and intention. There's no doubt about it. And it doesn't happen quickly. And again, back to that delaying the, the, you know, gratification, yeah. We have to delay it. Like we have to put in the work, the hard work up front so we can get the results on the other end of it. So, Absolutely. yeah. I think the first step to any of that is awareness. You have to, oh, for sure. you have to know what's going on in there to yeah. be able to even deal with any of that. And it's really hard, like you said, to have awareness and be drinking consistently. Like you can't, <laughs> Yeah, it's, you're looking to escape, not to like in, go internal, you know, and check in with what's going on there. So yeah. When you work with clients, do you work with them one-on-one? Do you work in one-on-one. groups? What does that look like? So right now I'm, I'm in the middle of launching my one-on-one program. Um, and that should be out in a couple of weeks. I'm very uh, excited about it. No, this is good um, timing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be, um, eight weeks and, um, I'm going to go through, I go through a different thing every single week with them. We really bring that like awareness to their drinking. Um, there's a self-compassion piece. Learning to move from judgment to curiosity is a very important part because you cannot change from guilting yourself and shaming yourself to change. That does not work uh, yeah. long-term. And no wonder especially. we want to keep drinking because we feel such intense shame. Totally. It feels so terrible. We want to get out of it. Self-compassion exactly. is a huge part of my program too. That's a, I think that's a huge piece to really any positive change is to go from that judgment to curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Just like when I was in intuitive eating, it's like, you can't hate yourself into loving yourself. That doesn't, it just doesn't Doesn't work work. like that. No, you can't all of a sudden it's like when you lose the weight and you're like, I still don't feel happy. It's like, well, because you haven't dealt with the root of the issue, which is your thoughts and beliefs about yourself and your body. And so once you can really get to that, that's where, that's where it all lies. And then the natural effect of that though, is like, once you see and can understand that it's your current beliefs that are creating your reality, right? It's your current, that's the foundation. Once you can see that and understand that you can start to move, you can't just slap a bandit on the, they call it like the river of misery. So you can't just go like from, I'm a, I don't, or I really want to drink to, I don't want to drink. It just doesn't, you're not, your brain's yep. not going to believe that you can't just be like, yep. I'm going to believe that I don't want to drink, you know, but you can, once you can see that and see what that's creating for, you can start to move in the direction slowly with um, something we call bridge thoughts, but you can figure out ways to move yourself and practice believing that things. And it is work, um, but it's the most worthwhile work you will ever do. And it also, once you learn how to do that, it trickles into every single other area of your life. It's not just drinking. It's everything, right? Yeah. 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 
So. Yeah. Those bridge thoughts are so important. I know when I was first starting to post TikToks, I was kind of more on the like completely sober, more people with a alcohol use disorder, substance yeah. use disorder. And, you know, they would have some comments back around, you know, like you can't just th- like think your way out of this, you know, or you right. can't like challenge your thoughts. And they right. would say alcohol's poison period. Yes. And I'm like, here's the thing. It's not that I just, I, I don't disagree with you. I don't right. think there's any amount of alcohol that is healthy for us. Agreed. There's also no research that shows that if you have half of a beer every three months, <laughs> right. that that causes any harm either. So right. like, okay. So like if, if that's, if that's, if you're able to do that, then that's like, that's okay. Right. Right. Um, but they would say that alcohol is poison. I'm like, to somebody who currently thought at the time that alcohol added a lot of value to her life. Right. You can't go from thinking something is valuable and necessary in my life to now swinging all the way to the other side that alcohol is poison. So I don't right. talk about it in that way because that's like right. telling somebody the sky is green or the sky is, you know, purple or whatever. Right. Like it's it, like, they, they, just like, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I've right. had to create all those bridge thoughts to get to the point where I'm like, I still don't even say alcohol is poison, but you're right. not going to say that it's good for you either. Right. Yes. <laughs> So I'm kind of, you know, in that, like more in that middle zone where it was like, I kind of swung, you know, all the way to that, that side for a while. And now I'm kind of in the middle where I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What is really true here? Well, so, we're not, yeah. People aren't, yeah. people know in general, right. As a whole, we know that alcohol isn't like the key to health. It's not sure. like nobody's yeah. confused about that, Yeah. but it's like what you, you add, like when you're like alcohol is poison, when you add that to somebody who wants to drink, it just creates this really confusing place. Cause they're like, then do I feel bad about myself because I right. want the thing that is poison? You know, right. it just adds this whole other element. If you're not going to believe that thought. Um, and it's not helpful. It just creates, you know, shame and guilt. And like we said before, that doesn't create any type of change that just makes you kind of want to back off and not address it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I take some turtle steps with my clients when we talk about like, okay, if you think alcohol is valuable for your life now, let's actually just like talk about that. Like let's, yeah. let's talk about where it does add value for me. Right. Fitting in was a big yeah. deal Yeah, <laughs> and people pleasing, you know, if everybody was drinking, I didn't want to make them feel like I was judging them for not drinking. So I need to get a drink right. too, you know, like people pleasing boundaries, all those things are yeah. a lot of what we work on. But I think just creating those thoughts around like, like, or questioning the thought for its truth. Like, mm-hmm. is it adding value? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, not sleeping well, waking up at 3am with a heart racing anxiety, like, is it adding value? And right. in short term, sometimes the answer is yes, but exactly. is it adding value, value long-term even 24 hours from now? Right. Let's really just question that whole belief system. Cause I believe that wholeheartedly for so long. And that's yeah. why I was stuck in it. Cause I thought it was valuable to me. So why, why would yes. I want to give something up that's valuable? Right. And yeah. to your point, you know, being a stay at home mom and like motherhood kind of triggered more drinking for you. Same for me. You know, a lot yep. of people are like, well, you know, we don't go out as much, so we don't drink as much. I'm like, no, I drink, drink more. more. Yeah. We <laughs> and, drink more. and part of it was because I had to give up so much to Agreed. be a mom. Totally. And so I didn't want to deprive myself of anything else. Like we don't, women don't need any more deprivation. We need more pleasure in our lives. Right. And right. so I felt like I needed that pleasurable thing that I thought was pleasurable. Yes. And if I had to give that up, that felt like the ultimate deprivation. And I was already mm-hmm. so deprived. So yes. as I started adding in more pleasure to my life, it was like, oh, I didn't need that as much as I thought I did, you know, I don't need that reward anymore. I have other rewards that are actually so much more rewarding than a bottle of wine every night. Yeah. Yeah. There's no negative, like comeback from it. It's like, I just feel good now and I feel good later. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Like what? what Yeah. That's the upward, that's the upward spiral, right? Where it's like, I feel good. And then I feel good about feeling good. And I just want to keep doing that. There's no, there's no backswing. Yeah. 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 So outside of self-compassion, you know, I've, you know, you you said you work with clients one-on-one, but what other sorts of things do you kind of build on to get that upward, you know, swing for, for the client? Yeah. So like at first, so first we get down to, okay, what is it? What are your beliefs? Where do those come from? And then show them what that's creating for them. And then they kind of figure out, okay, well in, in the ideal world, what do you want like, do you want to drink? Not at all. Do you want to, 
Um, cause desire, we, I teach them how desire works, how it's created by both, you know, by their thoughts and how it creates the feeling of desire and the, what happens with dopamine. And I teach them all that so they can kind of understand what's happening physiologically. But then I also teach them the component of like choosing that, you know, like you can learn desire so you can also unlearn desire yeah. and, and working on that and also creating, um, a drink plan and, and going through that and going with trial and error. And I think people are so scared to mess up. Oh, I want to be perfect. And we're so used to like the perfectionism of, oh, and I'm a failure, but I'm like, I love it when somebody drinks off plan because the, the momentum you can gain, the things you can learn from that, like, let's take it back. What happened? What triggered it? And how did you feel afterward? And was it worth it? The awareness that you can gain in those moments is so big and so pivotal that it just expedites the whole process. When you really take a look at it and then you use curiosity instead of judgment, it's like you just can leap forward with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's part of it. I teach them how to, you know, believe new things and um all all different, you know, parts of it, but mostly just it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of discovering. It's a lot of awareness. It's a lot of what do you want and let's figure out how to get there. Yeah. And do you, um, would you have identified yourself or maybe you still do, would you have identified yourself as a perfectionist? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Same. I, I keep saying that. I'm a recovering perfectionist, but it still creeps in, you know, yes. where I have to, I have to be like, all right, it doesn't have to be perfect. And so it's like that. I love same. I love when clients come to me and say, I screwed up. Yeah. I hadn't had a drink for 61 days. And I had a drink on so-and-so's birthday. And I'm like, so what? Like, let's, let's explore that a little bit. Why did you choose to have the drink? You know? And so like, let's, let's build some awareness around that. It is no big deal. It is one day. So what, you know? And so what, what are you making that mean? And let's work on that. Yeah. And so I work with a lot of high achieving women and perfectionism is a real problem for sure. And Absolutely. so I keep telling them it's progress over perfection. We're learning. You are relearning something that you have probably known for 40 plus years. Like you have yeah. this one way that you've done it for 40 plus years. And now mm-hmm. we're going to relearn a new way. And that's going to mm-hmm. take some time. You are basically in preschool right now. Yes. Think so about it's going to take a bike. some time. Yeah, that's right. So it's going to take a little time and, and, and you will be able to do it. It's just going to take yes. time and awareness and intention. Yeah. And let it be so, messy. Yeah. And it's yeah. all, it's all perfect. Exactly. The yeah. Way it is. It's yeah. And I let my, like my clients choose too. I still do drink on occasion. So, and I didn't drink for almost a whole year. And so I kind of look at it as like, sometimes I do desire a really good crafted, lovely cocktail or my husband and I go on a date night and it used to be this one drink that I always loved. Okay, cool. I'm going to get that one drink similar right. to how I desire Oreos, but I don't need them, eat them every day. Exactly. Like, you know, like I, like every once in a while, it's like, Oh, my Oreo sounds good, but I don't desire Oreos all the time, Yes, <laughs> but every once in a while I want an Oreo, you know? So like I'll eat an Oreo. So anyway, yeah. you know, so I've gotten to that place, but it yeah. wasn't without work. So that's yeah. what I really, you know, want to share with people is that I, I didn't just stop that cycle by just deciding to stop it. And the desire just turned off. It was right. literally years of work and still is work right. for me to be able to challenge what that prehistoric brain wants to tell me when my yes. prefrontal cortex knows better. Right. And that's the beauty of, you know, like the spectrum of gray area drinking. There is no right answer. You know, it, it is that gut feeling, right? Cause you don't ha- like, you want that and you are okay with that. And that's what works for you. And that, that's perfect. Right. Yeah. There is no totally abstaining. There's no amount. It's just a personal feeling of, does this align with me? And do I like my reason? And okay. if you like your reason, then th- that's perfect. That's exactly what we're going for here. There is no should or should not. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when I have a drink on a date night with my husband, it's connection like between the yeah. two of us, you know, yeah. like, and do I have to have alcohol for that? Absolutely not. But there are times where I'm like, but I really like that actually is something I want right now, you know, and you like your Um, reason and, and I have tested it enough to know that I don't have to give anything up on the other side. Cause one drink doesn't one drink every few weeks or even few months doesn't do anything for it. Like it doesn't, there's no negative effects for me. Right. So could, could there be small negative effects? Absolutely. But nothing that's noticeable. So, you know, like, yeah, that's, which was my whole goal. 
I wanted exactly. to feel better. Like I didn't want to feel like crap anymore, you know, on a daily awful. basis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Well, tell us more about your program that's launching and how um do you only work with women or do you work with both men I work and women? With, I I market to women. Um I work uh-huh. with men as well, but yeah. Um yeah, it's going to be right now I have a waitlist started. Um everybody can go to uh, my website which is bethcornacki.com. Um I don't know if you can link I'll that or sh- I'll put it in the show notes. So okay. Easily. Yeah. Um but yeah, so you can just go to the work with me and get on my wait list and I'm letting everybody know when it opens. Um, also, I have a uh, email that I send out every Monday called Momentum Mondays. And it's just like cute little tips and little things to help you with your drinking journey. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to get that out in the world and start helping people. Um with that. Cause I'm, I've been working hard on it. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and follow Bethany on TikTok too, because she mm-hmm. has some really, she really does a good job explaining like the, the more of the neuroscience side of things of, you know, how our brains work. So oh. definitely follow her on TikTok. Cause that's a great space to kind of get to know her a little bit more. And, you yes. know, before we hit record, we were talking about like, we're technically competitors. We do the same thing. We both yeah. offer coaching programs for women to, and I don't only work with women that are tackling this problem, but it's so interesting to me how often this problem comes up, even in like an executive coaching relationship, how often this comes up for women. So it's really interesting to me to see. And so when I started talking about it, people were like, Oh, do you think it's going to affect your executive coaching business? I'm like, it has only made it better. It has only drawn more people to me because I talk about it openly and I'm vulnerable about it, you know, with it. And people feel like, oh my God, finally, somebody that isn't judging me for this. Oh my gosh. And, and, and can relate, you know, can understand uh, what I'm going through. So I've had that quite a bit, which is really, really interesting, but I think there's no shortage of people out there, women and men that need this work. It will spill over in so many other aspects of your life. Like if you can get these coaching concepts, you're not just going to solve the problem with over drinking. You're going to solve so many other problems that you have. And that's the beauty of it. This is just a starting point, you know, like this is just the starting point. So that's what I love. And yeah, I totally believe there's, there's so many people out there that need what both of us have to offer. And so, and they should have options, right? Like that was my biggest annoyance in the sober community is like the only option I thought I had was AA. Yes, exactly. And I was like, but I don't even fit it. Like that doesn't even, none of this even makes any sense to me. Like I wasn't there. Right. You know, it was like the stories I would hear. I was like, that is foreign to me that like my my life is not being ruined by alcohol. I have all my relationships still intact. Nobody's had an intervention with me. In fact, when I said I was taking a break, people were like, well, I drink a lot more than you do. Like, yeah. what, what are you, t- what are you doing? You know? And I'm like, but it's a problem right. for me. I don't like the way it makes me feel. So right. whether that's one drink or it's a bottle of wine, what, whatever it is, like, if you don't like the way it makes you feel, then like time to check in with it, you know? Yes. So I, it, I just felt like there were no options. So I'm loving seeing so many more options for people out there, you know, to yeah. be able to get the help that they need. Right. And you want, you know, it's like they're, there's people for people and people are all so different in the way that you say it and the way that you bring a concept, somebody can either get it. I've probably heard this. I grew up reading like self-development books my whole life. Like I've always loved them. And I have probably, the underlying theme of them is all very similar, pretty much. There's so many, right. like the mental, <laughs> but it's like, when you hear it this particular way, somebody says it in this way, it's like, you know, fireworks. And I think that is how it's like when you connect and meet with somebody. And I, I want the people that love me and are for me to come to me. And I want people that don't, I'm, there's people that are not going to like how I talk, how I look, whatever, the way that I say something, they're going to hate it. And I'm totally okay with that because (laughs) all I want, all I wanted for myself when I was in that space was somebody that I connected with that I could have seen myself in. And I think the more people that show up, it's like the more that we can really help people. There's so many people out there that are dealing with this and the more, the better. Yeah, totally agree. Well, we will link all of the, uh, stuff for, for your programs and TikTok and all that stuff in, in the show notes. Um, anything else, any like last words of wisdom that you'd like to share, or even just a little phrase that was helpful 
for you, I know for me, one of my big ones was this doesn't have to be forever. I had such a mindset of like, if I'm going to quit, then I have to just quit forever. And that's the end. And so like, as I was doing the, you know, almost year without any alcohol, I just kept saying, you know what, this doesn't have to be forever. We're just experimenting. That's all. Yeah. I actually, when I first started, like when I gave up alcohol for probably a few months, I realized pretty quickly how much it risked. It just wasn't that big of a deal to me anymore and how much you just kind of forget about it. And so I think being open to letting it be easy and letting it not be such a big, it doesn't have to be this huge life-changing, you know, type of altering shift, especially depending on how much you're drinking, but being open to the fact that Yes, there's discomfort involved, but your brain's going to try to convince you it's so much more difficult than it really is. And just believing in the benefit of what's possible of the things that you can create, you know, for yourself and your life and, and knowing that it's an option and you don't have to be at a rock bottom to pursue that, like just listen to your gut and try it out. You know what, if you try it out and you are like, this is absolutely terrible. You can always go back to drinking if you want. It's still there. Yeah. It's It's always going to be there. uh, It's not illegal, you know, like exactly. So, and even when it was illegal, people just made it in their bathtubs, you know, exactly. we're humans. We come up with all sorts of creative (laughs) solutions. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that's great guidance for people. And it was really helpful for me just to have that, like, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know, like, I don't know what this is going to be, but I'm open to learn, like open to see what it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. That's a great mentality to have. Yeah. Well, I'll see you around on TikTok and I'm sure this won't be the last time we chat, but thanks for joining. Yes. Thanks for having me. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.